You're listening to Finn Too Deep. To a back to throw, blitz coming, and get to him. No, he takes off running, and he's he in. It. Touchdown, Miami! With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. What's good, Finn Nation? What's good? It's your boy Reason. We are back here for another one. As always, it's another episode of Fin Too Deep, and I am joined by my co-host, Neil Driscoll. Neil, how are you feeling now that the word is official that Vic Fangio is going to be accepting the job for the Miami Dolphins? Which, again, you know, I don't know why any of us were even panicking because it coincides with what I heard from, the, from originally that nothing was going to be official until after the Eagles were out of the playoff run, so... Sigh of relief. How are, how are you feeling, brother? How, how, how are you feeling? Because I know it was an emotional roller coaster for you at times. It was like Bush Gardens in my head, man, and in my heart. But no, it actually ended up all okay. You know, I, I just we had a, a jam-packed week, right? We did an awesome panel earlier in the week uh, yeah. with, with all the guys talking Dolphin content. You know, one, the, the whole premise, you know, the major topic of that was can we land this big fish? You know, and, and taking a, a step back of where we are, right? We went in from having probably one of the worst overall coaching staffs in football 18 months ago to right now having probably one of the top three coaching staffs in football, right? And 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 I know that and it ain't even complete. And it ain't even complete yet, Neil. I, I and and you know and Chris Richard's out there. Is there a way that we might potentially look at maybe bringing him in as a defense back coach? But the Vic Fangio news is as big news. I, I, I said this went from the jump. This would be a Tyreek Hill esque move to me because. I truly believe two wins we lost because of situational play calling by Josh Boyer last year. And I, and that might be being nice. So two more wins changes a lot of things. Um, yeah. I'd much rather been in Jacksonville playing the Jaguars than, you know, playing the Buffalo Bills. Um, but it is what it is. I, I think what it says is this is going to be a dangerous Dolphins team. Um, yeah. And Vic Fangio landing him. I mean, it's just you you can't name a better move for them to make when that position opened up. And we and we were all, you know, hoping that this had happened. The Dolphins have started to become the team that hits that big shot. They they've become the Kobe Bryant of the NFL. Like they yep. you know, they wanted they wanted to improve their wide receiver room last year. We signed Cedric Wilson and we're all sitting there like, "Oh, that's a good player, but and then, boom, the next thing you know, Terry Kills rumored, and then he's here signed within, like, three hours. Yeah. You wanted to improve your defensive coordinator position. You interview a very tight list of candidates, right? You gave Anthony Campanelli an in-house linebacker coach an opportunity, a reason, a, a reason to, you know, be happy to be here. You, you've given him recognition. Like, we appreciate your services. You had Chris Richard, who was a head coach finalist for them just a few years ago. Sean Desai, who's one of the you know brightest young defensive minds in football. And then you get the best coordinator in all of football in Vic Fangio to come to your team. Uh, Reese, you know what I'm most excited about? 
he's going to make Mike McDaniel an even better head coach. Mike McDaniel is going to lo- learn Let's the, you know what I mean? He, he is Let's going go to, there. I mean, he is going to, learn I'm going to one up you. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to one up you, but go lay your, lay your, no, lay it down. He's going to learn so much. People are about to call the biggest two and near in the world because I'm going to one up you. <clears throat> I want to hear it. Let's hear from he's you. Gonna, he's going to make two a better. And I'm going to tell you why. And I said this in my three takes Thursday for patrons only yesterday. And this is my third take. He's going to make two a better. And I'm going to lay out the evidence as to why for you. Okay. Since two is a rookie, right? Three, four, man, three, four hybrid, used to blitzing. Man coverage, right? That's what he faces in practice. That's what's been in the building for three years. Tua does what? Shreds man, shreds blitzes, right? No problems for him. On top of that, we adapted the system from where? New England Patriots. What? New England Patriots. What is he? 5-0 and against the New England Patriots because he knows the system so well. Where does Tua struggle? Zone coverage when he's got to get start getting off the second read and start seeing... I'll do you even better. 2020, two teams you struggled the most against. Staley-led Rams, Fangio-led Broncos. This year, team he struggled against. Who? Who? Two zone teams at the beginning, right? San Fran, who D'Amico Ryans was running a form of what Fangio does. And then what happens? Goes up against the Chargers. What did the Chargers do? They took away all the explosive plays over the middle, which is what Fangio's known for doing. And what happened? We weren't, we we couldn't beat it. Now, and, and I'll do even better. A third of the league is either a protege of his three or runs some form of his system. He's now going to be going up against that all the time in practice. Right. He's now got the godfather of that system in the building, bro. You're right. It's Tua, McDaniel, the offense are all going to get better because, brother, I'm going to tell you this. We got the cheat code. We got the guy that's going to help. This is how you beat this defense. This is how you beat this look. And think of the disguises he's going to throw to a tongue of a low in training camp. Tua's going to be seeing things that that other guys don't. And he's going to – and you're just going to get iron sharpens iron, brother. And. This, this could literally be the final piece to completing Tua as well, if you actually think about it. Because when we talk about zone and waiting on things to develop and, and taking things away, th- that's where he struggles. And this is the system he's going to be practicing. These are the highlights of that system. These are what these – and confusing quarterbacks. This is what that system does best. Right. I, dude, you nailed it. I mean, the worst I've ever felt about Tua personally was that Denver game. I, that was the worst. I Like, we couldn't do anything. You know what I mean? I was like, holy shit. Like, this guy is calling a master class. But, you know, the, the beauty of it really, really is, is like, when you look at the landscape of this offseason, you know, the biggest domino I think that could change the league is quarterback movement whether that's Aaron Rodgers going to a team or Lamar Jackson going to a team like that's a huge move right like a team gets one of those quarterbacks outside of those two players specifically I think this is the biggest domino that could have fallen the whole offseason that's how strong I believe in this move I I think this is a franchise changing type of move I I actually think that bro they won up the bevel move Right. Last year, I said, you remember, I said, I don't care if you're a free agent or your coach. This is one of the best signings, and we saw the impact it had on Tua. Now they've, they've won up the bevel move. 
And yeah, I, I think, and I, I've said exactly what you said. I, I don't care who gets signed, coordinator, head coach, or player. This is, by the end of the day, going to be either the best or a top three move by the end of the offseason. Well, you have now Mike McDaniels can shift his focus 100% on that offense with Frank Smith and Daryl Bevel. That yeah. three-headed monster is lethal. Huge. I, I, I yeah. truly believe it. And now we're out in the market, and we're going to get into it in a minute, but we, we might be able to go get one of the best offensive line coaches in football, too, to add to this team, right? Yeah. And then you look at the defense side of the ball. Vic Fangio is going to bring some of his own guys in here. Yeah. But what gives me the most excited reason is that you and I both know how much talent's on this defense side of the ball. Like, you're going to see a rejuvenated Xavier Howard next year because Xavier Howard is going to play in a, in a scheme where it's going to benefit him from strengths. You're going to see the jump from Javon Holland that we expected this year because, frankly, Josh, Boy Josh Boyer screwed those veterans, or, well, and Holland's a younger guy, but he screwed them by throwing so much at them to accommodate for the injuries. And, and like, look, there, there had to be people that were sacrificed and things like that, but – he, he really put Javon Holland in a situation where it didn't play to his strengths, in my opinion. X traveling all over the field, becoming a different player this late in his career just didn't make that's sense. Not his. You, yeah, when that's, his strength is when him and Byron are splitting half the field, but right? This defensive line reason, this defensive line under Vic Fangio oh. with, with Chubb, Phillips, Siler, and Wilkins. I'm telling you, that's why he came here. I'm telling and you, he looked at that front, he's like, Man, I just need to tweak that second level and that that third level just a little bit. And I'm I'm telling you, he knows he's a you get a Levante David, you get a Tremaine Edmonds, I'll give you your TJ Edwards. You go get one of these middle line or Bobby O'Karake or, or, or two of them. You go get a Bobby O'Karake. You go get two of those guys. You flip or one even one, one or two of those guys, you flip that second level right away. And then, brother, listen, I think. Between if we want to get a strong safety and a legitimate Mike, a legitimate captain of this, I think that's only going to be about what twenty to twenty-five million, and we've done the math. We can clear up to we about seventy. Yeah, we. I mean, we can do it. I, and, and they're going to give Fangio toys. They, they didn't bring him. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about yeah, that. We're, we're gonna talk, let's talk about that right now. Let me because I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you the question, and we can start with that because th that's one of the points I want to go here with off what you just said. So right. kind of segued it. And this is the big title of the show. Is Vic Fangio the most powerful defensive coordinator in the NFL? And I'm going to go over the – I'm going to list the reasons why I think he is, and I want your opinion because of what you said just, just nailed it. So – I say – and I'll say this. One thing before we jump into it, I, I, I'll say this. I think Vic Fangio overall is the best defensive coordinator in football since Rex Ryan was the defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. Oh wow, that's bold! I hey man, look at the influence. You can't argue it right now. Literally, when a third of the league is running his stuff, right? Like, what are you gonna say? Like, um, that's, that's why people downplaying Vic Fangio coming to Miami is unbelievably ridiculous. Like, just tell me you don't know ball without telling me you don't know ball. And, and um, that's that's why reason like you breaking down on your in your shows showing the the highlights of this defense. It's very important. For wait people. till the film study drops. Now we got part two coming with the film you study. This, right? like, and I don't mean this in a mean way or, or kind of I do, but you see on Twitter all these people like I, do. I don't understand why you're excited about Vic Fangio. Well, watch watch when reason breaks it down because it will help you. It doesn't it doesn't hurt to ask for help if you don't understand cover six schemes and like if you don't understand that stuff. It's okay. Not everyone has to be an expert. Like, but watch it and become educated so you understand why there's so much value here. Like, 
Like you can't. Well, just I just say- find the, the, the irony in it to me is I used to say to people who I know didn't know ball, explain to me cover six without Googling it. And now the irony is how much cover six we're going to be running, bro. It's oh, gonna, my God. It's going to be um, the defense we run a lot. And honestly, you know who's a really good fit for it? Reason? Cater Kohu. Yeah. Well, as long as you didn't say knowing Benogany, we're good. Now, um, and, and he's not going to. And like one thing I do want to say before we jump this, Vic Fangio's not all of a sudden going to make. No, no, he's done. No, 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 It's no. not going to happen. That's well, not you like... mean like an Ed Donatrell or someone like that is not going to make him like no, right? No, yeah, yeah. So, I'll, okay, this is why I ask if he's the most. So let's start with this. Is he the most powerful defensive coordinator in the NFL? Let's start with this. Me and you nailed this, right? Me and you publicly reported. We heard it was between four to four and a half million per year. Okay, right. we nailed this. All right, and. Now this has been confirmed, so check that as another one of, you know, just we bring you the top-notch Fangio news since last offseason. Anyways, I digress. Yeah, reason, um, what does that say about Mike McDaniel, though, that he's willing to pay a coordinator as much as he's making to get him in here? Well, that's, that's, what, I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to – that's what, that's a part of it, right? Like, you know, is he the most powerful co- defensive coordinator because he's making – as much and even more than some head coaches in the NFL. Another thing you talked about toys. I've been told he's been giving full, full personnel say, and rightfully so from staff down to the field on the defense. Um, You know, you look at this, my friend, and then we talked about this, you know, we know what Mike, why Mike McDaniel wants him. Not only is because, you know, when you read Ted Wynn's article, you see about how McVay and, LaFleur and uh, Shanahan said that, you know, Fangio is the best, best defensive coordinator in the NFL, the hardest to, to go up against. But, but I mean, he's got as much power as a head coach, but he's a coordinator, Neil. And like, that is a rarity. You do not see this very often, especially let it being publicly known how much he's making all the, like, this is, we are talking legitimate, money being spent here to bring in the best of the best like no stone is being unturned talk about the red carpet being rolled out he's got total personnel saying it goes back to what we know mcdaniel wants to do he wants to focus what you said he wants to focus on the offense he wants to have a guy defensively that he can trust is going to make the right personnel decisions and implement the right game plans and installs defensively week by week opponent by opponent and he has found exactly that. What's crazy is we know how much, you know, these guys coveted him and a couple of those of the tree have chased him. And McDaniel was finally the one to land him. And we know what has Spagnolia Spagnolia been for Reed? What was Wade Phillips for McVeigh? Right. Right? Great point. Even Shula. Who did Shula have? Right? Even Shula had um what's his face? Um Asbardner, right? So, I mean, everyone has someone. I mean, that was before my time. We were, I was a little, you know, I was young, but even he had Asbardner for like what four years. Well, and that's why it's a coaching staff that matters, right? Like that's the whole importance yeah. of it is the the ability to build stuff. Like what Mike McDaniel's done in two years of building this staff I, I, for a first time head coach at his age, like seriously, is absolutely remarkable. Like Vic Fangio could have been the Falcons defensive coordinator. He could have been the Panthers and the Panthers is an intriguing 
um, job to me because Brian Burns is there, Derek Brown. But he's is already there. been there, right? right? Like he's already done that song and dance. But it's like to me, like Mike McDaniel had to have a lot of influence on this decision. And that just tells me that Vic Fangio believes in Mike McDaniel's vision. He believes in the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, like, look, I, we, we give him some uh, hard times on here, but Stephen Ross pulled out the checkbook. And you need a guy that's going to willing to do that. And, I mean, to all of your points, man, like, you can't tell me a player on this team that this isn't going to help. Like, think about, like, Raekwon Davis, for example. The guy will exude and show dominant play once in a while, right? And then you'll be like, why is this guy so inconsistent? Yep. Vic Fangio isn't going to put up with that. You're either going to be a consistent football player that gives 100% effort every time you're on that football field, or you're going to be sitting on the bench. And another thing, you know who else that I get excited about in this defense reason is a guy that we were both probably had on the trade block, but Emmanuel Agba is a really good fit as a depth rotational piece. EM Dolphin and- fan is doing laps right now because he wants to keep him just because you can move him inside out. You can do so mm-hmm. much with him, right? Right. And, and, and like you think about we our starters are pretty well established with Siler, Wilkins, Chubb, and Phillips. But when you have a fresh Agua and a fresh Raekwon Davis coming out, how, you know, kind of in the rotation, I mean, that is a hell of a defensive line. So, I mean, man, I couldn't be more excited about this. And, you know, the four and a half million dollars, four to four and a half million, you know, that shows just how big of a move this was. Mike McDaniel saying, you know what? I don't have any pride, man. I'm good. I still got Brightland. But it also shows how how imperative they believed he was to their success. I mean, you know, I've talked about this before and you've heard me, Neil. That's what got me. I love Barry Jackson. You know, I love Barry Jackson, but that's what got me frustrated when he was like, I don't understand why everyone's making a big deal about because (laughs) people who know ball know how, how big of a ripple effect. I mean, we talked about him making McDaniel tool in the offense better. This isn't just a ripple effect defensively. This goes all the way to the offensive side of the football and he could make, Hey, he could help McDaniel be a, we can he, he can become a better clock manager because of McVick. We don't know, but well, he, he could have you know this guy could have a a ripple effect through this team that you know we already know just our offense and players studying this defense and going up against it is going to make all that players, including our quarterback, probably take another step in their game. Well, reasoning, you know what? Taking a step further, right? Like we had Skylar Thompson, our, our who entered the season as our third string quarterback who won a game, got us in the playoffs, and almost beat the Buffalo Bills. You get in the playoffs and anything can happen. We see it every year, right? I can tell you this with 100% confidence. Whoever we're playing in the playoffs next year, because we'll be there again, we could beat anybody at any time because Vic Fangio can, can create a scheme that can stop almost anybody. And, yeah. and that's where he, he's got so much experience, so much versatility to what he does. You never, you know, he's going to come at you with seven different kinds of smoke to quote Owen Wilson and Yumi and Dupree, right? And yeah. like, that's the thing that gives me a lot of hope is like, I truly believe Mike McDaniel is going to take a humongous leap as a play caller. At, you know, I think his scheme was amazing. I think there were some times where his play calling pissed me off, but I think he's going to make leaps and bounds of an improvement in year two because he was a first year head coach. I think Fangio is going to bring a discipline that this team might have lacked a little bit last year. I, yep, yep. And then, you know the things like the timeouts. He's going to make Mike McDaniel a better situational coach. He's going. He's going to. He's going to make Chris Greer and company figure out how to add pieces to this defense, and all of those things make this team a better team. This is team building we haven't seen from the Miami Dolphins because their old MO used to be let me go spend a lot of money on players. Now it's 
you know, we're going to spend a lot of money on players, but we're going to have the coaching staff and the infrastructure that's going to lead to long-term and consistent success. There's a good chance that someone on his staff is going to be the guy he grooms to take over if that team option, after the team option is exercised or if it isn't exercised in the fourth year. There's going to be someone on the staff. There's a good chance that the next coordinator is going to be someone that's in-house groomed under Fangio like that is legitimately that and then that plays into what you just said that's how you establish long-term success is if you can establish a found foundational philosophical beliefs on the offensive and defensive side of the ball and even special teams and then you can consistently promote people who can take that foundation add their twist to it and update it as they come through that's why how the Patriots have churned out. Now they haven't been successful in other places, but that's how the Patriots have continuously churned out people who have been successful in their system, rising through the ranks. You set your philosophical foundation in place, then you have new minds coming through that build off of it and move off the ranks. And it's just, it's like a machine, right? You just chew them up, you just spin them out, you just spin them out, you just spin them out. And you know what so, happens? Guys, you find in the fifth round start as role players and they blossom to significant contributors and sometimes stars. I saw it here locally in Baltimore under that Rex Ryan defense. You know, they at one time drafted Matt Judon in the fourth round and Zadarius Smith in the fourth round. And there were two of the top, what, six pass rushers in terms of sacks of football. Like when you find that type of talent and you develop the right way, you don't have to go out and spend $25 million every year for a pass rusher. You can go find people that are a good value and put them in your defense. And, and, you know, first things first is trust me, this linebacker core is going to get a brand new look that you mentioned the names that are going to be out there. The draft is loaded with them. I, I wouldn't be shocked if we, signed a and I'll say a big ticket linebacker in free agency. And we're gonna draft one too. And draft one with one of those you know second or third round picks that we have. Like like you know who's a, you know who's moved up to my draft board and and I know it's in draft time yet just yet. But dude Jack Campbell from Iowa under yeah, Vic I've been Fangio. talking about him out here. Like I dude, love I mean, Jack like, Campbell bro. Sign me up. I honestly yeah, I'm good with a round pick on him. I, I I think you put him and in I've been, I've actually had a really good Track record recently, recent years with linebackers too. Like, look at what Nick Bolton is for the Chiefs. Everyone remembers how much I freaking love that kid. I, I right? like Tyndall. I, I hope Tyndall gets gets some play though. I I hope that he gets a chance to develop here. I think he will. I think he will. Because yeah, yeah, the one thing that he showed coming out of Georgia, and, and the one thing I highlighted that he showed, you know, even in his limited snaps. He showed instincts that Baker and Atlanta Robertson stuff didn't possess. That's why I was okay with him. He just needed more reps in pass coverage because he shows crazy instincts against the run, like crazy stupid instincts against the run. And you could develop those against the pass, just need reps, right? And that that's the thing. I, Tyndall's got a crazy skill set too. So, you know, uh, listen, I, I, I like him going forward. But um, continuing on here, let's talk about um, – the Outkick article that came out yesterday. Um, in case people don't know what I was when I was I was actually live yesterday when the news broke. Not too long after the news broke, that um, you know it was going around the Senior Bowl and Schefter. Fi- you finally got your Schefter confirmation, Neil. Um, but while while I was going live with that, just near it ended. Neil by the time 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. By the time the year it ended, uh, Armando Salguero put out this article and said uh, Miami Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel is looking for a new offensive line coach after relieving Matt Applebaum of those duties after one season. A source told Outkick interviews for the newly opened position are already underway. And one candidate who is already interviewed is Dan Rocher of the New Orleans Saints. Another source said the Dolphins went through a, a half a dozen tackles in 2022. An offensive coordinator, Frank Smith, was pulled into uh, needing help to coach the line. McDaniel wants to hire someone who can do the job himself so that Smith can concentrate on his coordinator duties. The Dolphins, it should be noted, have a curious recent history of hiring and firing offensive line coaches very quickly. Um, I mean, we could talk about, remember, Brian Flores, what he would do, right? He would, he would turn them over like you wouldn't believe. The, uh, the club has been able to find offensive line coach. It deems suitable enough to work beyond one season at the job since 2014-2015. Well, you know what? Unbelievable. I say this. I, I don't view moving on from coaches fast in that capacity. You know, it's not like you're changing your offensive coordinator and defensive coach every year. Like yes. this, this is like you gave them a chance. You did not see the improvement in the young guys that we needed to see to make this line better. The line was better because Taryn Armstead and Connor Williams came and they were better players. Yeah. But I didn't see a lot of but, positive. But even all of us scratched our head. Went, Why is Lemuel Jean-Pierre still on the staff, even if he massively demoted him? Why is right. he still here coaching offensive line? The guy the guy straight up told y'all if he would have drafted Wirfs, he would have kicked him to guard. Get that right. man off of my team. Like, see, that that's the thing here, too. Like, you know, and I don't know if you were one of them, so sorry if this shoe fits, bro, but Twitter, YouTube, wherever, during the season when Robert Hunt looked like he was regressing and taking penalties he had never taken before, when, you know, the offensive line was continuously taking penalties, everyone started calling for McDaniel's head, and I was the one that said, whoa, 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 whoa hold on a sec here. Why is no one coming for the first-time offensive line coach we took from Boston College, who clearly looks like he's out of his depth right now? Like, right. It, was, it was very evident Matt Applebaum was out of his depth. Dude, listen, at the end of the day, when it comes to that kind of stuff, sure, Mike McDaniel is known for his wherewithal with bringing up offensive linemen, i.e. Trent Williams and such, but he's an overseer. Right now, he is not hands on with every single department and sub department offensively. He just doesn't. You don't have the time to be like that. You, you like that's the thing. It's the same thing with you're seeing the same thing with Boyer with Applebaum. I right. can't trust you to handle the personnel yourself and to handle the. I can't go like this with you and oversee. I gotta focus resources on helping you and. Matt Applebaum, we just don't we, – we, we listen, we saw regression in Robert Hunt when we expected a leap. Austin Jackson and Eichenberg looked even worse at times. You know, Eichenberg looked like he was hitting that stride right before he got injured, got injured, came back, looked like he'd fallen right off the cliff again. Austin Jackson was a struggle, especially when he – he looked okay in preseason, but then that injury crept in. Done. So, I mean, you know, like yeah. – Dude, I'm with you. I, I think that you like I like Dan Rocher, but go get Mike. I, I said this when I was on the phone with the EM, and then someone responded to my tweet yesterday, and I ran out of characters because his name was originally in the tweet. Go get Mike Munchek, man. The guy, Absolutely. you know, one, one thing I one thing I've been stressing that I think they waited on Crossman for Neil is I think they've been waiting on Fangio's Rolodex to an extent. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like I, who do you I, know? Who would you recommend? Because usually defense and special teams go hand in hand to an extent, right, Neil? 
Right. But first, you're Mike Munchett. That, that's the best hire you can make in the offense line available right now. That That's an A-plus hire. You go out and make it. Um, for me, Liam Eichenberg, you know, it's not the, the breakout offensive line, but he's a depth guy going forward. I don't think yeah. he should be the starter. I actually have a little bit of hope if they if they move Austin Jackson in the left guard. I, I would like to see Austin Jackson in the left guard be his primary position. And Connor and yeah, and let him really study, and then you go out and get a get get a solidified right tackle and fix the line. But you know, I, look, you have to coach young talent. There's nobody younger in the league than Austin Jackson. Matt Applebaum, like when another coach is stepping into your your meeting to coach, I mean, that that you're gone. You got to go. And I yeah. respect Mike McDaniel for saying, you know what, you know, we gave you a shot. Get the hell out of here. This is the NFL, man. This is Boston College. Yo, Neil, he's a killer, eh? See? Mike McDaniel's a killer, eh? Like you're Dude. starting to see, he ain't he. Ain't, Mike McDaniel, he's funny. He's jokes and games at the podium, but he's a killer if you do not perform, huh? Like he's got a. I love it. Like I love it. Neil. You see how many zeros are on those paycheck these guys get? These coaches, these players. That comes with accountability, man. If you're not doing your job and other people have to wipe your ass, like, dude. Like I, like, I, I said this on our. On, I said this. I, I do my business like Alexander Sosa from Scarface, right? Yep. Yeah. Don't you ever ask me? Don't you ever ask me? Like that's the real world, man. I wish it was all sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows, but that's not the world we live in. You have a job to do. If you don't do it to the level you're paid at, I'm sorry. You, he'll go get another job in college. There's no doubt about it. You know, it's not like this guy's going to be hard off. He just wasn't a fifth for the Miami Dolphins. Mike Munchkin. Munchkin. He's got ties to Vic Fangio. They come from the yep. same hometown. He's old school, hard nosed discipline. Like a lot of Coach people know him in Denver, him. right? Watch him play when he was in Houston. He was a monster. Yeah. Like he is a beast. Like that is the type of guy. Cause you know what? With, with offensive line comes an attitude. I am going to put you into the ground. One of the best left guards ever, bro. One of the best right. left guards ever, right? You, I'm going to put you in the ground. Every play, you need the offensive line to have that type of mentality. And look, I think Taron has it. I think Connor at times played like that, but and Robert Hunt, <laughs> Neil, yeah. <laughs> yeah. right. <laughs> I love, I do, I do love, I do love that uh, meme that we see with uh, Sosa and Tony. That's always out there now. Whenever you yeah. see something, it's that's one of hilarious. my favorite like, scenes of the movie with the like corny '80s music in the background, like that. Yeah, one of man, my favorite I, movies ever, bro. I remember the first time I watched that movie. It's my number two. My number one, Shawshank Redemption. But my number two is Scarface. I, I, well, I, side note, I, I got to ask you. Did you like – Um, uh, so you like – have you seen that Godfather in Harlem show? I have With not. Force Whitaker? No. Bro. Good. And did you like American Gangster? Love it. It's the prequel to American Gangster. Force Whitaker's Bumpy Johnson. Oh, so it's wow. in the sixties. Check yeah. it out, there, yo. EM Dolphin fan put me onto it, bro. I oh. watched the first episode last night. Just saying, yeah, I, I know now that I know a little bit of your taste. Check it out. Oh, dude, bro. I've I've seen the Sopranos from. I love, I've, bro. I just Nine watched times. it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just watched it for like the sixth time, like a year ago, like eight oh, months ago, nine months ago. Yeah, love man. That, my favorite television character of all time is Chris Romantasanti. That's my favorite of all time. Wow, uh, bold. that was sad, bro. That was that, he Paul has is, he has one of the saddest arcs ever. It's crazy. It's crazy. And Paulie, man, you get you can't you can't Paulie's you can't get rid of Paulie, man. Paulie's the man, bro. They're stuck in the van eating ketchup packets. That's like my <laughs> oh favorite. my god, bro. The episode with the was, was it the Russian or whatever. Yeah. Oh my god, that was amazing, bro. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, no, we, we we digress. But no, I mean, look, I, mean, it, I yeah. mean, this is, I mean, like, look, I know we're excited. Uh, you know, 
I, I, I'm not going to get – I'm not spending this offseason worrying about Tua. Tua is a guy I'm confident Tua is a top-10 quarterback in football. I feel really good about that. I feel really good about this offense. Now I feel great about this defense. I'm really excited to see free agency in, in a little bit over a month because I think – look, look, players want to play in Miami already for all the, the yes, sunshine, sir. the no-state tax. Now you have a winning football team with an amazing head coach that's created a great culture, and yeah. you have Vic Fangio coming here like – the Dolphins, if they if this continues in this trajectory, is going to become one of the most desired places to play in football. Just bottom line, uh, th- this this era of Miami Dolphins fandom, I think what we're going to see over the next three to five years is probably. I- I'm 40 years old. I've been a fan since I was five, so I think it's going to be the most fun I've had in 35 years as a Dolphin fan. I I, I truly believe that. Um, I-, I don't see it slowing down. I-, I think us edging our way into the playoffs is the floor of what we're going to see. I think the Dolphins are going to be start become one of the big boy teams in this league, brother. And, and you know the other thing too is uh, really with Mike Munchuk, that's our first choice. Dan Roucher, uh, like that's a. I mean, you know, we were talking about this is a guy who developed Taron Armstead, right. Ryan Ramchuk, but Mike. The good thing is they're both sixty two years old, meaning they're both here. Probably this might be their last ride, right? And yep. so we're going to put their all into that. Yep. So. Um, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited, bro. I'm, yeah. I'm just so I, I mean, excited look, to see this fruition, my friend. Well, now you can start looking at the free agency names and saying who's a fit. Like, you know, where's, where you're going to get those players. You know, like I, I've already said that my favorite fit for this team now is Chauncey Gardner Johnson, but look, that's a huge price tag. That's going to be $15 million a year. Um, but like, you know, I've really liked TJ Edwards is a fit in his defense, uh, linebacker from the Eagles. He's going to probably cost you $10 million a year in today's price tag, but but he's a really, really good player. Um, I mean, you mentioned the four or five linebackers there really are out there. Um, I, I, like, you're going to need another safety in this defense. I've heard Jermaine – a name, and I've reported this on page, on Patreon. I've heard Jermaine uh, Pratt for over like a month and a half. Yeah, the Bengals. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm, hearing, really I'm hearing Edmonds a little bit. I'm hearing Edmonds' name a little bit too. So yeah, and, and we've seen some rumors around Jor- Jordan Poyer. I don't know how. I know he has a house in South Florida. I don't know how concrete they are. One guy that I think you everyone wants on- Noah, but uh, he's going to be gone, guys. By the time we pick, I will be shocked if Noah Sewell is on the board. Yeah, and you know what though? I honestly, he he's a good player. I'd I don't rather have him be there though. I'd rather have Henry Tuatua or Totoa, and I'd rather have Jack Campbell. Both. I want Jack. Jack's who I want. Yeah, I would have both of them. And then I'm telling you, another guy is Dayan Henley from Washington State. Yeah, he's um, a beast. I, I wish I was at the Senior Bowl. I wasn't there. I got a couple texts from people there. I heard Dan- Dayan Henley was the best linebacker there. And then one text I got was like, I looked at I your draft. Spears is ridic- I heard Spears is. Kajay Spears is a guy yeah. that I freaking love. Yeah. And then the one text I got is, what the hell is wrong with you having Will McDonald number 50 on your big board? That guy is going in the first round for sure. And Will McDonald's the defensive end from Iowa State. But yeah. I mean, there's some, there's, but the one thing, I mean, Dewan Jones, the right tackle, Ohio State, Jalen Duncan from Maryland, some of those tackles. He had looking, a big week. Yeah. Yeah. He had a big and week. those guys playing well is kind of important for the Dolphins because when you sit at pick 51, right? And that means, right, that only 50 players are going above you, right? So you're going to see all these top 50 boards, and there's going to be a lot of, you know, differences among people. But the one thing that, that is going to happen is a really good talent is going to fall in their lap. And I'll give a sneak preview. I've been working on my first mock draft, and I only go to round three because I wait for compensatory picks 
to be officially announced because I don't want to have to do a lot of work. And I only can do two rounds now because if free agency is crazy and changes everything, I got to start all over. Right. So I, I, I kind of want to wait. I had the Dolphins getting Jameer Gibbs and at pick 51. And that's really because I couldn't find a spot for him beforehand. I had pass rushers galore go. And once you get those cornerbacks in, right, because there's guys like Deontay Banks from Maryland who is not – they're not getting out of the top 40 anymore. And Eli Ricks from Alabama's yeah. moving up boards. Yeah. I mean, running back positions devalued. Like, dude, I had B. John Robinson falling to pick 28. Like, it's pretty crazy because I think, I think B. John Robinson is the third best player in this entire draft. I just couldn't fit him in, man. Like, you know, there's only there's only so many picks. So, and, and I would tell you this right now, man. If you could walk away with Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell, I, I, I don't. That, that's that that would be cool. an a draft for a me. A plus anyway. plus. And that's where, like, look, go get your guy. Like, and we've talked about this a lot of times in our pod, and we're going to talk about the draft. We're not going away. There's going to be not an off season for us. That's why it's so imperative you handle free agency properly, so you can afford because we got three picks on day two. You can afford one of those to be a luxury pick, like a running back. We should have Tristan Wirfs at right tackle right now instead of Austin Jackson. Yeah. Right, we should have that. That was in move. We would have had to give up a fourth round pick to make that happen. That was all. It was a fourth round pick that prevented Austin. I mean, Tristan Worse from coming here. Well, tell the, tell everyone the rest of the package. Don't everyone's going to think it was a fourth round pick? No, it was. It, it, it was, was our. It, it was our first. It was um that and uh what was it the hunt pick? It was the hunt pick, right? It was the hunt pick or the Noah pick. No, it was the. It was moving up. No, it was moving up from Austin at eighteen to where I think Worse went fourteen. Were and we 19? Wasn't didn't CD go 18? Okay, maybe we were 19. To move up five spots, it was a fourth rounder and a swap of a second round pick. Meaning the Robert Hunt. That's pick. what it was. It was the hunt pick. Yeah, that's what we it was. Were, it was we a swapping hunt pick. Like 10 yeah. spots. So I mean, like, look, at the yeah, end of the yeah, day, yeah. Like, I, it, it was a move that I I I, I make 10 out of 10 times. You yeah, go oh, your guy. You gotta go Dude. get your guy. Like, I don't care how many draft picks you have, leave the draft with two bona fide starters if that's what you got to do. Like, Tristan Wirfs was my, like one of the first, listen, I came on, I came into this community in October 19. Okay. The three players I banged the table for in that first round, Tua Tungvaloa, Tristan Wirfs, Jonathan Taylor. I rest right. my case. And we could have had hey, I rest my case, bro. Oh my God. Had them oh. all. And, and like, so like, that's where like a lot of people, cause like, look, I, I we could have, two shows on Chris Greer, the goods and the bads. You know, the yeah, thing yeah. is, he swings really big. Sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not. The two picks of Austin Jackson and Noe Benogany hurt a lot, obviously. The, but you got to think, really, like, no team bats 100 in the first round. It's just, it, it magnifies and amplifies when you have those two picks back-to-back -back in that draft. But, like, see, I view Tua as an A pick. You got a top-10 quarterback in football. Like, you know... And I think he'll get better. I honestly think he's going to have a good year. Um, another guy that I just wanted to mention that I think is a fit that could be really cheap is Kareem Jackson. He's 34, so he's older. But yeah. on a one-year, like, two, $3 million deal, he's versatile. You know, he was a corner coming to Alabama. He played under Fangio. He played corner. He played safety. He does a lot of little things. He brings some good leadership to that defense. You know, he's a multi-time multi -time pro bowler. Um, I, I think that's a cheap, another name that you could find as a good value. Um, but man, like 
now I'm excited about the offseason again, <laughs> right? I'm telling you, the one, the one I know you love Jameer Gibbs, and if that all falls, I love it. But I'm telling you, if Devin A chain falls to us, that 4 2 speed in this offense out of the backfield, I've been preaching it for weeks. I mean, that kid to me, that kid could be crazy explosive in our offense, bro. I have him, I have him going third as the running backs and Charbonnet going fourth. I love it, man. The, and they're studs. They're all studs. They are studs. <laughs> they're yeah, all they studs. Are studs. And I need fresh legs in this. But no, man, I'm I'm really excited. Um, it's it, it. I can't wait till you see them in Miami with that little uh, paper signing it on their um, you know, the thing. But the cool thing is, I like about Vic Fangio, even though it stressed me out to no end. He does business his own way. You know, he does it old school. He wants to be there in person, but he wants to finish the duties that he has. He he wants to make sure that all of his responsibilities are tied. I think it's a really important thing that when you take a job, you don't change who you are. I think that's really important. And I, and Vic Fangio ain't changing who he is for anybody. He's you know he's a badass sixty four year old man that beats to his own drum. But you know what? He's our defensive coordinator, and and I can't I wait to it. see. And I just want to know what Vegas's odds for Jalen Phillips' defensive player of the year are because I'm going to be jumping on. That. I'm, I'm I'm jumping on it, baby. I'm and jumping. I'm going. I'm buddy doubling down on Tua for MVP. Sorry, and, Dublin. And and all those laps and, and all the things that were said about Bradley Chubb being a bad pick. You know, it, it's like being mad Wait. when you when you roll the dice and you get Marvin Gardens on the first time and you didn't, you know, roll a, a 99 and land on boardwalk because you can't do it, right? Like Bradley Chubb is going to be familiar in this system. It's a system he is accustomed to, his experiences in. And Got a Pro Bowl in. Yeah, and don't take for granted the relationship he has there. That is going to be awesome to watch, man. Fins up, man. I I, I am so excited. Let, let, I, you know, it's Friday, another week close retirement. I, I got a bottle of whiskey. I'm taking it. I'm I'm having a celebratory Friday. I'm I'm drinking one for every age of Vic Fangio, man. I might put down 60 tonight. We'll see what we have. We got two more things to go over here. Number one, Mike, um, Mike Cliss, because this is of interest to us. Right. Um, he said, uh, not only had the Broncos requested an interview for Seattle's associate head coach, Sean Desai for the DC job, but Desai has withdrawn from consideration for the Minnesota defensive coordinator job. Desai interviewed with the Vikings last week, wants to concentrate on Denver. Fangio recommended Denver to Desai. Desai, And then it goes into Desai was defensive assistant for Fangio when Fangio was a Bears coordinator, defensive coordinator from 2015 to 2018. Given Fangio's connection with Sean Payton, Desai is a strong candidate as Denver coordinator, providing a hero Evero leaves. Um, So let's talk about this for a sec because this kind of lines up with – a lot of layers in that. Yeah, so so let's start with this. We can both agree that if he does not get the Denver job, what I've been hearing about him coming to Miami, you could probably pretty much lock that one down, huh? Right. Like he's not going to stay in Seattle. Um, now, what, what your thoughts on this? Would you be shocked if they if they let Evero walk? And if Evero walks, do you just if you're the Dolphins, you just swap, try to bring Evero onto your staff? I mean, you could bring Evero, Chris Richard, and Ed Donatrell onto the staff and find positions for them. What, what, what do you do? You, do you pursue Evero? Because Evero was running a form of Fangio's system, right? So what 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 would you do there in that well, in that circumstance? I would say this. This is the whole reason I didn't want Sean Payton as a head coach, man. I think this is a disaster. 
Sean Payton in Denver. You give up a first-round pick, you're paying this guy outrageous money, and he's getting rid of one of the better young defensive minds in football as his first move of business. Like, I, I think the defense coordinator, and I can't pronounce his name, so I call him E-squared. I, I think he's out. Uh, I don't. I think it's a, a bad move. And I'm hopeful that they choose Brian Flores because if if they do, I think Sean Desai is going to be on our staff. And that defensive staff with Vic Fangio, who's already an A-plus type of coach, just gets even better. So I, I, I'm hoping that they don't <laughs> sign or, or hire Sean Desai. But I think that says a lot about Vic Fangio, right, is this, yeah. this organization that fired him prematurely in a year a year ago because, you know, they really frankly couldn't get the quarterback position right. And they get rid of him, and he's still looking out for one of his guys in Sean Desai, and giving and trying to help him get a job to a franchise that he probably in the back of his mind wants the MF behind their back, right? But with that said, and help his friend Sean Payton out, right? I, I think I think E Square is going to be gone from Denver. I think Desai, because of Vic Fangio's recommendation, is going to get strong consideration. I have a feeling that man, they're going to end up with Brian Flores, though. I really do. I, I, I think uh, Flores is a little bit more splashy of a name, and mm-hmm. and I think that Sean Payton's trying to create a splash there, right? Like I, I think that's what's going to happen. So, um, I think it's a good look for Vic Fangio. I think it could end up being a really good thing for the Dolphins because if if Decide doesn't get the job, where are you going to go? To the guy who just recommended you, groom under yeah. him for a couple of years. And, and you be, and you're the next up here, right? And and then and that and that for us is the best case scenario. Um, but man, buddy, we'd be buddy if that ends up happening, Neil, where Desai comes over here, bro. We are just racking W's up, huh? Like, I holy! Mean, and I'm so happy I'm not a Denver Broncos fan. When you trade a first round pick for Sean Payton, I look, man. He ain't gonna. He doesn't have a magic wand to make Russell Wilson the guy he was in Seattle. I think that team's going to implode. I, I I think it's going to be an ugly scene. You know, they're they're talking about trading one of the receivers. Like ju- their best player, I think, is Justin Simmons, and, and you know he's getting up there a little bit. I mean, and Pat Sertain's obviously a beast as well. But yeah. they tra- traded away Bradley Chubb and the draft pick they got from they used on a coach. Like I, I just man, thank God we're Dolphins fans. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I, I don't know if you saw this, but I wanted to get your opinion on this. Uh, did you see um, this Dan Orlovsky's top five QBs of all time? He had Tom Brady at one, Mahomes at two, Elway at three, Manning at four, and our boy Danny Boy at five. Yeah. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that because that's a that's pretty damn high praise from Mahomes who's only a couple years in. That's and those the first are some thing I see. You know, and, and shout out to our buddy, Mr. Ballgame. And where's Montana? Hold, hold it down in, in the chat. Mr. Ballgame, how's it going? Uh, for me, if this is my list, and I'm going to be completely objective here, Tom Brady's one. It's not a shadow of doubt. Congrats to the GOAT. Uh, hell of a career. Enjoy your retirement. I thought I will say one thing that I thought was really interesting from Rich Eisen, right, okay. is that if, if Tua didn't somehow get hurt again, Miami has the best backup contingency plan locally in town with him living in Miami. I thought that was very interesting by Rich Eisen. I never thought of that. Way too early for Mahomes. I think Mahomes will be on this list when his career is over. I think it's Joe Montana number two. I I, I don't know where Joe Montana is a, a, on this list. Um, I I would put myself personally Marino at number three. Um, there probably is a little bit of homerism in there, in there, but I think he's the best pure passer that ever played the game. I look, he didn't win a Super Bowl. Okay, football's a team sport. You have all those arguments. It is what it is. 
I would probably have Peyton at number four. And honestly, if I was number five and, and I didn't get a chance to watch this guy play myself, but it's my dad's favorite player of all time. And because of it, I've watched a lot of games uh, that are out there of him. And that's probably Johnny Unitas for me. So my five would be Brady, Montana, Marino, Peyton Manning, and Johnny Unitas. I mean, look, I like again, Mahomes is a great, great player. I, can we really put him above a Drew Brees at this point? Can we really put him above? I mean, you know, there, there's so many good Roger Stallbacks out there. I mean, there's good quarterbacks. I mean, Mahomes, I think he wins another one here. And, you know, we're, we're looking, you know, we're looking at a guy that's going to have two rings with a lot of time left to play. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think he's too. Elway is a top 10 quarterback to me. Elway won at the end of his career when he had a supercharged Stacked 12 yeah, yeah that Bill Roma, Romanowski juiced up steroid defense. <laughs> like, right. I, I mean, I, I pretty much. So for me, for me personally, it would be Brady, Manning, Marino, Montana, and then five's always the 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 sticky one for me. Like, who do you put there? And I agree with you. Like, I I do not Brett think Farm, I, I forgot about Brett Favre. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think Mahomes has done enough. And Elway, I realized what it was in terms of how stacked he was, you know, how stacked he, that team was. Um, number five to me, man, whew, that's tough. Because I, I didn't watch Unitas, right? Like, that was way before my time. Um, man, that's tough. But I guess it would have to be, you know, I would probably, I mean, it'd have to be Elway at the end there, I guess, right? Like, I like he's a better quarterback than Aikman, had more tools than Aikman. How about Aaron Rodgers get any consideration, or just because he's literally went to a Super Bowl and never came back, did he kind of fade? Yeah, it's not like he even got close to winning another one after that, eh? Like, you well, know I will tell you this, man, a guy that a lot of people. But if you talk about you like best natural throwers of the football ever, then it's Marino, Rodgers, and Mahomes. Well, I'll tell you a guy that gets a lot of credit, and I think he's a hell of a commentator. Troy Aikman never had a season as good as two as this year. I know. He was never. carried. He had 23 touchdowns and 14 interceptions in his highest output of a touchdown season. He, he 23 is the most touchdowns he ever threw in a season. He, I mean, look, he, he, he's got three rings. But that's why I always say that Super Bowl rings is a team stat quarterback wins like I think your quarterback helps you win I don't think there's a I think there's a lot of gray area to that right like I don't yeah. think just because you don't have a Super Bowl ring doesn't mean that you're great like Ed Reed to me is the greatest safety of all time he has one ring right you know Devin McCourty has way more rings but if I'm starting a team and both men are the same at the same time give me Ed Reed 10 out of 10 times like yeah, yeah. I think rings matter I don't want to say they're not important but I think there's context around it as well where you know, there's great players like Carl Malone and Dan Marino that don't have rings. And at the end of the day, look, man, if I'm starting a team from scratch and there's 10, 10 GMs, one of those 10 picks is going to be Dan Marino. Yeah, I agree. All right, man, final thoughts here. And I just wanted to say this, and I'll let you go here. My final thoughts because I want to get this out. You know, I see a lot of people are overreacting to 
Chris Sims and Florio having the interview with Tua Tungvaloa. And I get, I don't like Chris Sims and Florio. I think they're a bunch of idiots. But all this gatekeeping I'm seeing, like, oh, I don't like Tua's interviewing with them. I don't like this. First of all, he's his own man. None of us can influence his decision, okay? So I don't know why people are, like, taking it personally. Number two, who knows? Tua could go up there and freaking own these guys, in which I hope he's going to do, or he could humble them. Either way, he's either going to own them or he's going to humble them because they ain't going to be popping off to his face the way they have behind his back, that's for sure. And if they do, I'm sure he's gonna. that's going to be put in his place real quick. So I think the gatekeeping about this interview is a little bit too much for me. I'm interested to see the dynamic. Tua knows the crap they've spoken. They know the crap they've spoken. Let's see if they're all of a sudden on their best behavior and tuck their tails between their legs. And I think that's a story too. But uh, your final thoughts before we get out of here, Neil. Yeah, man. Look, one of two of superpowers is his composure. He doesn't flinch, man. He doesn't look, he's a bigger man. He can go there and he can sit down and he can say, you know, look, I know all, you, all the trash you guys talked about me, but it doesn't bother me. I'm here. I'm to your face. You know, I'm not going away. You could sit there and write me off and you could talk, say Tom Brady's coming here and you should do this and that. That's one of the best things about Tua Tungvaloa is he doesn't give yeah. an S. He'll be there. He'll be at your face. You know, and it's funny for all these people that crap on him. You know what? I bet you the Eagles at halftime when they're losing to the Chiefs in two weeks in the Super Bowl would love to call him in and help him come finish the job that Hurts couldn't do just like he didn't do it at Alabama. Right. Like, yeah. let's call it what it is. The guy's a winner. Uh, he's what he's got one of the best win loss records in football as a quarterback that starts on this football team. And at the end of the day, like this is our quarterback. We're going to go up with Tua. We're going to go down with him. And, and I'm betting on another leap from him. That's and funny. like the, at the end of the day, Chris Sims, Mike Florio, they're talking heads. You know what yeah. I mean? Skip Bayless, all these guys, they get paid. All the controversy they cause is why they make the big checks. They don't make big checks because they know football better than anyone. They do it because they have a platform and cause controversy. And the quote, the old uh, WCW, Eric Bischoff, Bischoff. controversy equals cash. cash. And if you can do that, people listen to you. People like to watch car wrecks. We lived in a messed up world in 2023. We don't hold the door from any more any people anymore. And if someone's getting beat out to death, we videotape it and we put it on TikTok. Like that's the world we live in now. And at the end of the day, like everyone wants to see this young man who's done nothing but hold himself to the highest standards fail. And instead, he'll probably win a Super Bowl before anyone else in that draft class. Love it. Love it. Um, uh, uh, another thing I want to do, I wanted to shout out. Uh, yesterday we had a donation. Uh, right as the show ended, uh, I had a PayPal donation from Jacqueline. She donated $50 yesterday. So I wanted to give out a shout-out to Jacqueline for the PayPal donation uh, I received yesterday because I didn't see it till after the show. And I hit her up and I said, hey, don't worry. I'll give you a shout-out tomorrow. I appreciate the constant support, guys. Um, and it's only going to get better. We got a uh, film study next week. It's going to drop part two of analyzing the X's and O of Vic Fangio's um, defense that he will be bringing to the Dolphins. On top of that, now we can move forward. We'll look into um, the top needs in free agency for the Dolphins, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of exciting stuff on the horizon. And for Patreons, I hope you enjoyed the Three Takes Thursday yesterday. I thought it was one of the best episodes. And like I said, for channel members and Patreons, what I'm going to be doing for the offseason is on Mondays, I will post a thread. You will be able to ask questions or or you know, request topics you want to hear me, Richmond, and Ballgame talk about on the finish line. And I'll be doing every Tuesday for Patreons and channel members only. I'll be dropping a thread 
for you to leave questions or topics you want me and Neil to discuss on the finish line. So we're going to make it a little more fan interactive for all of you guys. All right. So as always, Neil, a pleasure. We got our guy, baby. Like we got the bell of the ball. We weren't left at the altar. How good does it feel that we are doing the salsa and the cha-cha with right. the one that everyone wanted, right? And reason real quick, just let me give a shout out to our buddy, Richard Webb. Um, you know, I, my, my aunt is going through breast cancer. Uh, there was a GoFundMe and, and, and Richmond made a very generous donation. And, uh, you know, I, I met Richmond through you reason. And, you know, he, he, he's obviously a, a friend of ours. Um, he, uh, the gold jacket and Canton eludes him. Um, but you know, he is to me the best left tackle the dolphins have ever seen. Uh, he's a humble guy, man. You go to a tailgate, and if he's at the game, he he'll come up. He's talking. You know, he he's just a laid back, great guy. But I wanted to give a shout out to Richmond because I really, really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. And you're such a great dude, and and I it means a lot to me. Uh, and if you ever need anything back, man, you hit me up, and I, I'm there for you. And everyone in the chat, send your well wishes to Neil. Send the prayers up to Neil. Needs all the energy he can get, and throw those. Richmond Web emojis because we got an emoji on this channel of Richmond Web in the gold jacket. So throw those emojis in the chat, celebrate Amen. Richmond, and send positive vibes and good energy towards Neil. Neil, I appreciate you. Everyone else, I appreciate y'all. We'll be back next week. Well, probably Thursday next week for everyone, just right. everyone watching. So we'll see all y'all next week. Fins up.